This is Pull Yourself Together with E. Shaver Booksellers. Hello, I'm Jessica, a lifelong lover of books, wide-ranging reader, fan of obscure British literature, all things Douglas Adams, long sentences, music biographies, the Oxford comma, always up for travel, except during COVID, and of course, Jane Austen. And I'm Melissa, an eclectic bibliophile and all-around nerd who also loves Jane Austen, comics, and cooking. Together, we run an independent bookstore in Savannah, Georgia. Each episode, we discuss the books we've been reading and recommend. Well, hello there, everyone. Hello. Um, so we're, we're back in exactly two weeks from the last time that we talked to you, which, you know, we said we would and we followed through. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's and we hope exciting. to have a nice gold star up on the fridge um, for our hard work. Yes. Um, so Jessica and I were doing some discussing between ourselves about the podcast and um, we think that talking about four books each is uh, about what we can do in two weeks time. Yeah. In addition to our other, you know, duties like running an independent bookstore. Right, right. Um, um, so that'll give a kind of a more... Um, uniform length to the podcast (laughs) except for when um we have reps on and um they're talking about more of their list because that's a a few more books to get through so those are going to run a little bit longer it's true and and that reminds me that in two weeks Mm -hmm. we're going to have abby from ww norton Mm -hmm. here with us to talk about their spring and summer list and some of her favorites on that list and then we're going to discuss a book that we're all reading together. Yes, um, our normal rep homework assignment. So it's true. That's very exciting. This Speaking one involves pigeons. Th- yes, pigeons um, and smuggling. So And diamonds. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So speaking of our reps, um, if you all listen to the episode when we had Tony, one of our um, Random House reps on, the book that she had us read um, that Jessica and I both loved, Between Two Kingdoms, just came out this past Tuesday. So if that is something that you are interested in, that book is now out in the world and we suggest you should buy it. You should (laughs) buy it and read it. Yes. Yes. Because Um, it is just... It's just wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Yes. Um, yes. I actually um, have already sold three copies of it, just, you know, telling people about it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, get them while they're hot, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Yeah. So let's uh, jump in, Jessica. Well, um, we can both talk about this. Our Tequila Mockingbird book group um, last read Sherlock Holmes. And yes. We read two of his stories. Two of his novels. Um, So we did A Study in Scarlet and The Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes. And it had been a long time since I had read Sherlock Holmes. And I think really I had just read not his novels, but the the short stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was a lot of fun. It was... um, (sighs) So I do have... uh, some novels, especially ones that were written to be serialized in the 1800s, I have some issues with um, because they're sometimes over-descriptive, over-wordy, and I feel like the women are um, not placeholders. Well, <laughs> placeholders are not well drawn, <laughs> um, not fully flushed out. No, that they're idealized into nothingness. Well, and it was interesting reading a study in Scarlet 
and then Hound of the Baskervilles, because the study in Scarlet is the very first Sherlock Holmes story. So you get the meeting between Holmes and Watson. And then Hound of the Baskervilles is much further on in the canon of Holmes. Fully established and and working together. Um, Having said the first rather harsh part of what I said, (laughs) I did enjoy reading it. It was... um, it was interesting. A study in Scarlet was not what I expected it to be because it goes off on this strange tangent about the Mormons, which you're not really expecting as yeah. you're going along reading. You're in London, you're in London, you're in Utah. Yeah. Well, and so when I first read Sherlock Holmes, I I had read Hound of the Baskervilles when I was in like seventh or eighth grade it was Mm -hmm. assigned to us as one of the books we had to read and that was really my only um exposure to reading Sherlock Holmes so I decided a few years ago that I was just gonna start with the complete Sherlock Holmes and Mm -hmm. read from start to finish and I did that and so I had read a study in Scarlet before and I knew it was (laughs) sort of weirdly set up constructed Um, yeah. yeah and and it's interesting because three of his four novels are constructed that same way where there's mm-hmm. kind of two very separate pieces of them and they don't necessarily feel like they fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, Hound of the Baskervilles is the one novel that is kind of continuous and you stay in the same place. Yeah. The characters backgrounds make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, well you do, it is, there's a worldwide scope because of colonialism, I think, mm-hmm. to a lot of his novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a fascinating and very strange man. Oh, yeah. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, interests were varied and widespread. <laughs> he was quite the sportsman. Yeah. Yeah. He was into cricket and tennis, I believe. He was into like mysticism and mm-hmm. strange religions. And he just. He went to medical school. He didn't really. Um, have much success in the field of medicine, but mm-hmm. he had such wide and varied interests that he made it all work out. Yeah. I think um, we all kind of agreed that these were probably not the best examples of Sherlock Holmes. Um, but I think they were two good examples of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, it it and just because the the one the first one, A Study in Scarlet, his character is not very well. Uh, I don't think Doyle knew what he was doing with his character in that one, and there's a lot of so the interesting part from that one was the meeting with Holmes in the beginning. Yeah, but I mean, it, but it's and, like um, Holmes and Watson's Watson. relationship being started, but it's like Holmes. Some of the things he says about Holmes in that one are not true later on, like just in. But I think he he catches the main character of Holmes, Mm -hmm. the impulsiveness and sort of the arrogance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, Hound of the Baskervilles is kind of unique in that it's Watson on screen or Mm -hmm. on page most of the time. Like Holmes is only at the beginning and at the end. It's, it's almost, um, epistolary letter writing. Yeah. Cause it's kind of told through Watson's letters, letters back to Holmes Holmes and diary entries. 
So, um, but it was it was fun to read, and mm-hmm. and um, I think we had a we had a pretty good discussion mm-hmm. in the end, and um, I don't regret it. Um, we were all um, blown away by the sexual tension that exists between, between Holmes and Watson. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talked about a lot of the different um, uh, manifestations that have come out mm-hmm. on TV and in film. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, it l- lent itself to good discussion. I yeah, think. it was a fun discussion. It was. So I, I would say we recommend, I, you know, I read some of the stories, the shorter stories and, and um, to my kids when they were in like later middle school or seventh, eighth, ninth grade, I think they're a great starting place to mm-hmm. get used to the canon of literature for, for younger adults too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I don't. There, there's nothing objectionable. Yeah, you know, even though there's like murders. I mean, it's most of the time it's off the page, and yeah. it's yeah, it's there. If there's any, there's really yeah. If there's any kind of sexual innuendo, it's also off screen. So <laughs> and Victorian in nature. And, yeah. So <laughs> yes, you know, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you're feeling nostalgic and and want to dip your toe into some of the classics into the canon. Mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes is a nice place to start. Indeed. Yes. Well, Melissa, what have you been reading? Well, um, I got in the mail um, a couple weeks ago, maybe last week. I don't Mm -hmm. know. The days, they all... They all run together. Yeah, they all run together. Um, A copy of an advanced reader of um, songs in Ursa Major by Mm -hmm. Emma Brody. um, And Jess one of our random house reps sent it to me because she knew how much I love Daisy Jones and the Six, and this one is sort of similar in nature to that. Um, it comes out in, on uh, June 22nd, so it's a really good summer mm-hmm. read. Um, so basically, if you're into the rock stars of the late 60s and 70s from like Laurel Canyon, like the Newport Folk Festival, mm-hmm. like Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, you know, this will be right up your alley. <laughs> Jessica's <laughs> nodding because, yes, I am into all of those. Yeah, um, so um, it takes place, uh, for the most part, on this island um, off the coast of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, where, what could that be? Could that be <laughs> like, kind of like Nantucket or Marcus so, Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Um, but there's... They have a music festival on the island, and it's got it's. <laughs> Sorry, it's gotten very popular. Um, Indeed, and, they do. Yeah, and so the main character of the book is a girl named Jane Quinn, and she is a musician. She has a band called the Breakers. Um, her mother wrote songs for famous musicians, and something happened where someone stole one of her songs um and she disappears because of it and so jane has been raised by her aunt and her grandmother since she was 10 or 11 i believe um but anyway so they have performed her band has performed on like the side stage at this folk festival Mm -hmm. um for a couple of years and this particular year uh Jesse Reed, who is a folk uh, folk star who's very popular, is supposed to perform 
he's in some sort of accident and can't mm-hmm. perform, so they take his slot on the main stage. Okay. And so a um, a uh, music reporter sees mm-hmm. them perform, and people are just kind of blown away. And it's funny because Jane... Um, all these people are really disappointed that Jesse Reed isn't going to be there and they all wanted to hear this one song that's like his mega hit right now mm-hmm. and like so they're all disappointed with their signs and stuff so she just off the cuff starts singing his song like she's like okay you wanted to hear that song well I'll just sing that song mm-hmm. and so um, her aunt mm-hmm. works as a nurse and mm-hmm. she um, <laughs> ends up being Jesse Reed's uh nurse while he's recovering from his motorcycle accident so the two of them become introduced and jane gets a record deal like her band gets a record deal Mm -hmm. and they go on tour with jesse on his big tour okay obviously she and him end up becoming an item Right. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't want people to know that. She doesn't want to play off of their relationship. She wants to keep all of that private. So she um, pretends that they're not together, like mm-hmm. they don't talk about it in the press. Um, and then something happens and she ends up broken up with and blacklisted by their record label. Oh, my. And so it's really kind of a story about. Um, basically the, what I took out of it is the, the thing where sometimes the most broken people are the people that make the most beautiful art and kind of the process by which those people create art. Um, it talks a lot about her kind of process about writing songs Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and she is, she's a self-taught musician. Like she's never taken lessons to play uh, instruments but she can just sit down at the piano and play it she can play guitar she can basically play any instrument she she so she's just learned by ear yeah she's just super talented um and if you're familiar with um like kind of rock and roll history Mm -hmm. you will see james taylor and Joni mitchell in the two main characters it is very very clear that these characters are based off of their relationship Interesting. Yeah. Well, I look forward to reading it. It's on my list. Of, it's yeah. really good. Um, again, I want a soundtrack to go with it because <laughs> I want to hear the songs. Yeah. I, I. Yes. Sometimes yes, and then when they actually do it, sometimes no. It's hard because... You hear things, and it well, it was like the Daisy Jones one mm-hmm. where I listened to the book, and they had one of the songs at the end, and I was like, that's not the song. Well, <laughs> so this one in particular, kind of like Daisy Jones, it's mm-hmm. um, she's recording this album, and they go kind of song by song talking about these songs, and I'm like, yep. I want to hear them. <laughs> mm. That's the only problem. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I've been reading something completely different and something totally off-brand for me. <laughs> Um, so, but is it though? I don't know. <laughs> it is and it isn't. So, um, yes. Yeah. So I recently went on a long road trip and I was looking for things to listen to that the whole family would like listening to, but the whole family, my husband and my, <laughs> you know, 20 year old son. Um, but I wanted something that had some kind of world building and witches and some kind of supernatural element because my son really likes stuff like that. And, um, 
So Annie, who is one of our booksellers, who was on the last time we were mm -hmm. here, had recommended a Discovery of Witches to me. And I sort of said, oh, that's just not the kind of thing I read. And I hadn't picked it up, and I hadn't picked it up. And so I was looking at Deborah Harkness's bio, doctora, Dr. Deborah Harkness, um, <laughs> and in the beginning of it, it says, the story of my life, it can be send up, summed up in three words, history, books, and libraries. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and then she said, my career in fiction began in September of 2008 when I started to wonder if there really are witches and vampires, what would they do for a living? And so I was intrigued, and I downloaded the audiobook, and we started listening to it on the way up, and I was immediately hooked. Um, a discovery of which is, if you are into fantasy, this is a great world-building book. If you are into um, romance novels, there is some romance in here <laughs> more than I had suspected, um, which made it interesting listening to it in the car. But it's it it's a uh, it's not it's not bodice ripping romance. Um, so, well, at least in the beginning of the book, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets there. Don't and, worry. <laughs> and the beginning of it takes place in Oxford, um, in the Bodlin Library, which is um, one of my favorite places in the world. And um, and the main character, um, Diana Bishop, is a professor of history, and she's studying alchemy. And she has gone to Bodleian to do some research, and she comes across this book, um, and calls it, you know, calls it up to do research, just like the other stack of books. And it turns out that it's a magical text. And when she opens it, every other magical creature in Oxford, like, can feel it and knows it's happened. And it turns out, and then she closes the book, sends it back. And it turns out that the book has been missing for hundreds of years and that she somehow managed to summon it. So she attracts the attention of a vampire, mm. <laughs> uh, Matthew Clermont, who um, is also a professor at Oxford and a scientist who's studying genetics. But is he oh so dreamy? Oh, he is oh so dreamy. <laughs> Apparently in this world, vampires are perfect. There's not a hair out of place. They are like... They're like Anne Rice vampires. They're well, a little bit, but um, a little less homoerotic than Anne Rice vampires. <laughs> so in this <laughs> just world, just as homoerotic. <laughs> in this world, they're vampires, demons, and witches. Okay. And there's a covenant, and the three never are supposed to hang out together. So witches are for witches, demons are for demons, and vampires are for vampires. And that's the only way that they feel that they can keep themselves safe from human discovery. That's kind of like the Kim Harrison books, like the Hollows novels. Um, there's witches, vampires, mm -hmm. demons. There's also werewolves in those. Okay, though. well, there. So, <laughs> because because Diana Harkness, not Diana Harkness, Deborah Harkness, is a scholar. Um, she she delves a lot into history and things humans have said, and then there's a lot of myth busting in it too. It's like vampires can go out twenty four seven. They don't you know, daylight doesn't kill them, and witches don't have familiars all the time, and 
um, that a lot of these things are things that humans have made up to explain them or make people fear them. Um, but they do try to stay under the radar because every time humans do notice them, there's trouble. Mm. Um, and they also agree to some degree to stay out of world events because, you know, vampires have lived, some of them, for thousands of years. And um, witches have special powers and and demons are the creative ones. So mostly demons are songwriters, poets, um, and suffer from crazy mood swings, manic depressives. Um, so it's it's a very interesting world she builds. And you're you start out in the first book in Oxford, um, and then you do end up traveling a little bit to the United States um, because they go back to visit her aunts. Um, I'm, I, I'm trying to say this without giving away too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to say too much about the book because if you haven't read it, I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, it's also a TV series now, which I have been watching as I've been reading the books. And I will say, please read the books first before you watch this. It's really um, tempting to just go ahead and watch it, but you won't understand the world as well if you haven't read the books. And the books are worth it. I mean, she quotes Boethius in Latin, which really made me so happy, (laughs) every bit of it. And um, the scholarly work that's put into them and the history of witches, I find fascinating. Um, It's things that have been touched on in other books I've read, but not to the depth that this one does. Um, so I've become completely obsessed and totally immersed in this world, and I am now on book two. They're not for the faint of heart. They're, you know, six, seven hundred page books, um, but they go very quickly. And if you like fantasy, if you like history, if you like magic and also medicine and science and <laughs> time-traveling vampires and witches and talented demons... And Elizabethan English. <laughs> this is the book for you. There's a there's a lot going on there. <laughs> there's a lot, but I I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying them. It, they're they're the best escape books that I've found for me in a long time. Mm-hmm. Where I just all I want to do is go home or go for a walk. I'm listening to one of them, and so I'll tell my husband I'm like I'm gonna go walk around the park for about an hour. I'll be back so <laughs> I can get a little further on. So anyway, yeah. well in. Sort of the same vein, mm-hmm. but not really. Well, <laughs> um, I just read this super, super, super cute uh, kids graphic novel called The OK Witch by Emma Steinkilner. Um, so it is about, it's a middle grade graphic novel. And maybe, I would say upper middle grade, maybe even lower young adult. There's mm-hmm. nothing... Um, objectionable content wise though um so it's about a girl whose name is moth hush moth like the flying insect Mm -hmm. um she's growing up in founders bluff massachusetts and she loves all things witchy and like kind of the history of like witches in their town and everything um and she really loves halloween and she's kind of an odd kid and is a bit of an outsider Mm -hmm. and she's getting bullied on Halloween and something weird happens and Moth discovers that her family is kind of smack dab at the center of the centuries old witch drama 
Oh, um, well, and this uh, is a little bit like yeah, this. Yeah, and so she finds out that she's a half-witch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a talking cat. There's an enchanted diary. There's a secret hidden witch world. So this is a primer. Yes, for- it's <laughs> to get you ready for a discovery of witches. Um, it's really, really cute. The art, I think, is really adorable. I think it... Um, it's nice and colorful. Like the coloring in, in it is really, really good. The characters are super cute. It tackles issues of like race and class um, and discrimination mm-hmm. really, really well. Like without like being super heavy handed with it. Cause sometimes in kids' books, it's like they're going to smack you in the yeah. face with it because you don't get subtlety. Yes. That's not what's going on there. It's just, it was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> it made me so happy. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this as I was thinking about my fascination with Discovery of Witches or books like this um, in general, that it is always kind of a quiet, oddball kid that finally discovers that they have some secret power that explains their otherness. Mm-hmm. And um, I totally relate to that, being a bookish, weird, only child growing up, you know. Yeah who is absorbed in these other worlds. I think it's a great mechanism to help people in general. Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, like I totally get that. I was kind of the weird kid that just liked to read all the time. And, you know, it's... Yeah. So, yes. Well, I also have been reading a middle grade book. Yes. um, And I have a little explaining to do about this one. It's taken me a minute to come to it. So this is City of Spies by James Ponty. Which is very good. I, it is I've read it. <laughs> very, very good. And um, so I was on Facebook just scrolling like you do sometimes, and I saw one friend from high school who had posted a story, and then another friend had commented on it, and I hadn't thought about this guy for years, and his name was James Ponty, who I went to high school with. So I went down the rabbit hole of kind of seeing what he was up to. You, you Facebook stalked him. I did, just for a minute. <laughs> and he's like, works at Simon & Schuster. And I was like, well, that's weird. I mean, <laughs> that's strangely close to, to what I do. Yes. And so I looked further and realized that he's an award-winning author of middle grade books. Um, and it just cracked me up. So I went out there and I thought, oh gosh, I hope I didn't do anything to offend him in high school. That's been such a long time ago. Let me think about this. And I (laughs) sent a friend request to him on Facebook and he immediately answered and we started corresponding. And it turns out that we have been in the same room like five or six different times over the years at book events. He's been at numerous conferences (laughs) that we've gone to. (laughs) And we just never put the two into, we probably, you know, stood right across from each other and never put the two together um so it was really funny and it was really great to catch up with him and so then I of course had to read City of Spies um which is wonderful and just the kind of thing that I would have liked as a child and that my kids would have liked as a child it's a story um the main character is codenamed Brooklyn and she is coming out of the New York foster system. Um, She's had a rough ride of it. She's meeting with her lawyer, um, who's a court-appointed lawyer, and she's getting ready 
to be sentenced and he's telling her to just take the plea and go to juvenile jail for two years and never be able to touch a computer again. And her joy in life is working on the computer. Um, She had hacked the juvenile system uh, for New York to try to expose her foster parents who were just kind of running a graft and stealing money and not taking care of the kids in their care. And instead of her getting awards for this, they want to throw her in jail for this. So um, things are not looking good. And then she has another lawyer walk in and it's this British guy and he's in a fancy suit and he says, oh, I'm your lawyer now. And (laughs) it turns out that he's the head of a secret spy group and everyone calls him mother. (laughs) And she ends up getting to go away to Scotland to become part of this elite spy group of kids who are codenamed after the cities they come from, Mm -hmm. and they all have different talents. And so there's Brooklyn, who's age 12, and she's from Brooklyn, New York. There's Paris, who's 15, and there's Sydney, who uh, is 14, and Kat, who's 13, Rio, who's 12, and that's it. And then there are other characters in there, who helped them along the way, and I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but they end up going to a competition in Paris Mm -hmm. where they're competing for sort of a Bill Gates slash Elon Musk kind of guy, Mm -hmm. and um, to win some money, they don't want to come in first, but then all kinds of other things start happening, and they end up having to save the world from a disaster. Yes. So if you have... Um, an inquisitive minded I would say 8 to 14 year old mm-hmm. this is a great book yeah and so it's the first one in a series yes. um, so it is out in paperback now and the second one comes out in March yes and it's called um, City Spies 2 <laughs> no it's called City Spies Golden Gate and it takes <laughs> place in San Francisco yes yes so um, yes, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll actually get James on here or some of his friends on our podcast at some point. Yes, we've, Be- we've been talking. <laughs> we've been talking. And um, so S- City of Spies. By, um, <laughs> we were in the same creative writing class. I didn't do as well. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> but our creative writing teacher's name was Judy White, Mrs. White, and we all loved her. And all the teachers in his book are named after Mrs. White. So if you read about a teacher that's a favorite and it's named Mrs. White, she's named after Judy White, our 10th grade creative writing teacher. Well, that's cute. Yes. All right. So next, um, this is a book that I have been listening to on Libra FM, um, and it is A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is... Um, the author who wrote Uprooted. Oh, yeah. Um, and Spinning Silver. Yes. Um, and so this one is, I believe, the first in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main character's name is Galadriel, or they just call her L for short. And she is a student 
um, at a magical boarding school. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Skolomance, um, but it is nothing like Hogwarts. <laughs> it's it's Hogwarts if Hogwarts was trying to kill you. Um, the Isn't s- Hogwarts occasionally trying to kill you? I don't think Hogwarts itself is trying to kill you. This is a very, very dangerous okay. school. Um, and it, the mechanism for the school is really interesting because um, they have different floors and as you work through the school like each year you move lower and lower like the seniors the seniors are on the ground level and that's the most dangerous level because there's a bunch of stuff trying to kill you well that doesn't sound fun (laughs) at all no no it's not um and it's interesting because there are different there are like three different tracks you can take in the school so you can be like an artificer which is someone who like makes things like Mm -hmm. magic mirrors and that kind of thing um you can be a maintenance track which is basically like it's not an actual track Mm -hmm. that you that it's not like something the school offers but you can do this and it's basically you take um all the students are supposed to do these maintenance jobs mm-hmm. um it's part of like their like what kind of maintenance like um, fixing things like fixing holes um okay. cleaning labs like doing the you're so okay it's supposed to be part of their normal duties can we call it work study yeah it's sort of, yeah but <laughs> It's incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can be fixing a hole that all these bad things are trying to come through and um, y- you, you get killed. Or you could be cleaning up a lab that somebody has left poison behind. And okay, if you're so there are no punches pulled in this one. No, 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 no. So um, this is more of an R-rated Hogwarts. It's for violence. Yes, it's definitely. Um, the, the school is trying to kill you in a myriad of ways. And it's interesting, too, because there's no teachers discussed in this like the school is teaching you almost it's an interesting construct yeah so it's like you could be sitting in your room and like so for example um it starts out with l being in her room and there's another guy and he is the the golden child at the school his name mm-hmm. is ryan lake and he is <laughs> of yes, course it is he is try, he's one the son of a very powerful sorceress who is very high up in her enclave of, of mm-hmm. wizards and stuff um but he is trying to save everybody like he like is taking upon himself to not let people get killed like mm-hmm. so which you would think would be a good thing but people are like mm, dude, mm. seriously um but he has chased this thing up to her door and it comes through and he ends up killing this creature in her room leaving a huge mess mm-hmm. that she then has to clean up so l is um each wizard has an affinity, like mm-hmm. something that they're very good at. Elle is part of a prophecy that she is going to rain a shit storm down on the world. And she is incredibly powerful and could just kill everyone. Wow. And she's trying to keep that in check. She doesn't want to be that person. She mm-hmm. So she has to be very, very careful with so everything she does. all the things. Yes. And so she's trying to get a cleaning spell to clean up mm-hmm. the the junk in her room and so 
you ask the school basically to provide, she's like, I need a cleaning spell. Mm-hmm. And so it produces this book or a scroll out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to give you what you've asked for, but everything it gives her is like to set off a super volcano mm-hmm. or to like burn walls of flame. Okay. So like cleaning the world, not so yeah, much cleaning, yeah, the- not cleaning the, the one thing. Mm-hmm. So she's, She's incredibly powerful, but she's hampered because of how powerful she is, that she has to be very, very careful. Yes. Um, there's also... This also plays into A Discovery of Witches <laughs> and the the All Souls trilogy. Yes. So, yes. so there's also um, the wizards who have gone bad. Like So basically the power that they use to power these spells is mana, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can get mana like... In from a, heaven well no you can like you can get mana by um like she can get it by like crocheting and doing something active or she can get it by doing like jumping jacks or doing sit-ups okay. and it's so so it's, it's more like a it's like charging a battery basically. like a video game task almost almost um but you can also use mala which is pulling energy from people or like sacrificing people or yeah that seems bad yeah well so those people are malfeasors Uh and so there's some of those running around in the school so in addition to the school itself trying to kill you and all the bad beastie things in the school trying to kill you you've also got your fellow students who are not so nice (laughs) so what is this a young adult or adult it's an adult Adult. book Mm -hmm. um but i mean i think it have crossover potential for an older yeah i think it definitely um skates the line between young Mm -hmm. adult and adult um and the main character is welsh and indian interesting yeah so the um i will say the audiobook the woman who's narrating the audiobook mm-hmm. is fabulous <laughs> like i'm thoroughly enjoying it i'm i'm on the fence though about whether i actually like l the concept of i it, well it whether i like the character like okay. she is one of she's just very hard to like yeah an anti-hero yes and she has like no friends because she's just so she doesn't have a lack of friends because she's an odd bookish girl or an orphan she has a lack of friends because she's a bit of a handful yeah okay yeah she's she's something (laughs) okay well interesting yeah um Um, and basically it's i mean it's so it's the these students trying to survive this school and Mm -hmm. she's trying to figure out because she's such an outcast what's going to happen to her once she hopefully graduates Mm -hmm. if she makes it through um because they're like i said before there's these enclaves that are these groups of wizards that come together and kind of work together but she's such an outcast that she has to she's trying to balance proving herself and Mm -hmm. showing people how powerful she is so someone's going to want her to be a part of the enclave but also not alien alienating all the people because of how powerful she is that's a fine line it is yeah well very good so we've we've talked about several magical outcasts <laughs> yeah, yeah magical outcasts is the theme for tonight well my <laughs> well so my last book is completely different it's a book that has been on my desk for quite some time the author um joshua how am i going to pronounce his last name hankin hankin 
um, sent me a copy of it almost a year ago. Um, it was supposed to come out this past summer, and it, the pub date was pushed back to this summer because of COVID. And um, so I um, have put off reading it. I don't know why. Um, and I finally picked it up because I just felt like I really needed to read this book. And I ended up loving it, like many things that we put off and then we finally do. Um, it was, it, it's just a, it reminded me a little bit of Ann Tyler, the way she writes about everyday life. Mm -hmm. It's well, what, what is the title? Did the title is Morningside Heights. Okay. Um, and it's by Joshua Henkin. Mm -hmm. And um, it's spelled H-E-N-K-I-N. Um, and it is about, uh, it starts out with Prue Steiner, who arrives in New York in 1976. She's gone to Yale, and she is now in graduate school at Columbia. And she um, sort of has some romances in her past with older men. Um, but she is working on her doctorate and studying um, Shakespeare, and she ends up falling in love with her professor, who's the new hotshot young professor on the block, and um, she ends up marrying him. So her life takes a turn that she was not really counting on, and um, he has published books. He writes for the New York Review of Books. He's fully tenured. He's one of the youngest tenured professors, and... Um, so with one of his book advances, they buy an apartment and end up um, living there for most of their life. Um, they have a daughter. Uh, it turns out he had been married before, and he has a son from the previous marriage. Uh, the mother of the son is a free spirit, and she takes Arlo, who's named after Arlo Guthrie, all oh, sure. over the country <laughs> with her because she wants to poop in all 50 states. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> she's, um, that's a goal. Yeah. She's kind <laughs> of a, she reminds me uh, not exactly of, um, my mother, but a little bit of, she ends up living in a commune. Arlo has a very, um, unpredictable life. He sees his father only occasionally and his father does try to get custody of him, mm -hmm. um, and the, so the story is told from the point of view of Prue and then of Arlo and then of um, their daughter that Prue and um, Spence have together. And it kind of goes back and forth, but it's really just the story of a marriage and a family. And so it, it spans about 35 to 40 years um, they, you know, they have the normal problems. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, Ann Patchett's, like, Commonwealth. It is. It's a little, well, um, Ann Tyler's uh, bull of, uh, A Spool of Blue Thread is mm -hmm. kind of what it reminds me of, too. But the writing is beautiful. I mean, he's somehow just really in very succinct. Um, he's not a long sentence guy captures the mood of something and um I ended up reading it really in about two days I mean and I I just wanted to know what happened next but the writing was so so beautiful and and Prue is 
such a, I, I want to say a tender character, like her commitment to her life and to her marriage um, and to Spence is, is incredible. Um, he ends up being diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. So they're about 30 years in their marriage and suddenly he starts falling asleep and he can't remember things and his teaching is not going exactly right. And um, so she takes care of him and takes all of this on. And at the meantime, you know, Arlo has lived with him for two years. He goes back with his mother. Um, their daughter is in medical school. And she's really kind of all alone in this journey. And her care of him is extraordinary and sweet. And, of course, she has helpers, but, but she is pretty alone. Um, and she does meet someone when he's pretty advanced in his disease um, who a man her age who has a wife who um, also, I think she has, I'm not sure if she has, par I think she has Parkinson's and is advanced in her disease. But she can't even really form a relationship with him because she loves her husband and she feels guilty and she wants, you know, she's married. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, so it's it's really just the story of this family. And in the end, it all turns out with hope. It's not unrelentingly sad. Um, but it, it really is just just well done. And I think tender is one of the best descriptions I can can say of this book and the family saga and the commitment to someone's marriage and just you know, doing extraordinary things that are everyday things that everybody does all the time and we don't notice. Um, so I highly recommend it. It comes out in um, June. Uh, I think it comes out in June of 2021 mm -hmm. um, or July of 2021. I can actually give you the exact date. It goes on sale June 15th of 2021, and um, it's, uh, it's, there's, it, it's listed as Jewish fiction because the main character, Prue, as she's growing up, grows up in an Orthodox kosher home, um, and, <laughs> and she remains somewhat true to her faith, although Spence, her husband, isn't, and she gives up a lot of that for him. Um, so... Yeah, I, um, you can say it's a book where nothing happens, but things, things happen. They're just everyday things. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Morningside Heights, a novel. Okay. Well, the last thing I have, I have just started it. So I'm about, I would say, like 75 pages into it. Mm -hmm. So about, you know, a third of the way maybe. Um, it's called A Tip for the Hangman by Allison Epstein, and it just came out this past Tuesday. And that would be hard for me to read just because of the title. Well, <laughs> it is about Christopher Marlowe, oh, the well, playwright Christopher Marlowe. Yes, well, he's also in A Discovery of <laughs> Of course he is. <laughs> well, he's in book two. Um, so, yes. so this starts with him in his final year at Cambridge, mm -hmm. and... Because he is of a flexible moral character. Well, he, he is a demon. Yeah, well, 
Okay. He's not a demon in this um, <laughs> because he is a, a of a flexible moral character, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. He is approached by Queen Elizabeth's spy master. Oh, um, he's a spy. Yes, yeah. to become a new recruit um, in, in the world of espionage. So he decides that, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try that. Um, and he has been sent on his first mission, and he is to pose as a servant in mm-hmm. Mary Queen of Scots Manor, where she's being kept under house arrest. And he is supposed to observe her and kind of keep a an ear to the ground. Oh, I bet he um, does. <laughs> yeah, to make sure um, that nothing's happening with the Catholic plot to restore Mary to the throne. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's interesting because the the woman who wrote it did a lot of research, and mm-hmm. it is in historical record that it is very likely that he was in fact a spy. Well, it's it, it's interesting because in um, the Deborah Harkness books, he also plays that role, and I think she tries to stick close to it. Now I'm going to have to read this too. Yeah, it's Honey. good so far. Like I mm-hmm. like the writing, um, and he's just. He's kind of a fun character. He's well, Christopher Marlowe is such a, yeah, he's a scamp. He's a scamp. <laughs> he and Caravaggio would have had a great time together. Yeah. So um, sorry. <laughs> so the thus far, that's as far as I've gotten here. That he's just been put in his mm-hmm. first mission, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Well, I can't wait to hear more. Um, I picked this one as the book for my. Um, my postal book club for this round because I thought it would be something something unlike what we've been reading recently mm-hmm. and just uh, you know something fun yes yeah. well it sounds great a nice Elizabethan mystery who, who doesn't, doesn't love that love a nice Elizabethan <laughs> mystery yes oh right. well, well on that note I think that's all we've got for this week. Yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks again with Abby from Norton. Yes. Um, but and we'll have some new recommendations mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And hang in there, folks. We'll, yeah. we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Be well. Keep reading those books. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>